Welcome to Safety Talk. Personal safety expert Pete Canavan shares his insights and interviews experts who provide simple and effective tips, techniques, and technologies to keep you safe and secure both online and off. Here's Pete. Hello, and welcome to Safety Talk. I'm your host and personal safety expert Pete Canavan. I am joined by my colleague, branding and social media expert Neil Haley. Neil, how are you today? I'm doing great, Pete. We're counting down the summer, and it's going to make me happy because I will be able to transition to a new season. And I like that when we get to summer, you know, my, because the kids won't be going to school. It'll be a different transitioning, different type of situation, and getting to maybe sleep in a little later at times, hopefully. And uh, I'm counting down those days for sure like the kids are. Yeah, well, I, I kind of have the opposite thing because, you know, my wife's a teacher. So after summer hits, she's home all the time. So it's like, I just do that same way. <laughs> like I, I, I have my home office and it's like. now stays home all the time. So it doesn't matter. I just want the kids to be not, I don't have to get up to get them up and ready to go to school. So. Right, right. Yeah, changing of the seasons. My allergies are driving me nuts here. So hopefully I don't have a sneezing attack in the middle here. But uh, if it happens, it happens, right? So, um, but yeah, summer's here. Pool will get open soon. And uh, so. You know, as always, I like to touch on uh, a current news item or two uh, at the beginning of the broadcast. And this week, we have one from both the digital world and the physical world. And I don't know how many people use the WhatsApp application uh, that uh, Facebook has you know, purchased a few, some years back. But the digital news item has to do with a hack of Facebook's one and a half billion users that use this WhatsApp application. Uh, this is pretty freaky stuff that basically hackers were able to simply call a person's phone. The person didn't even have to answer the phone. Oh. This is where it gets really crazy. Doesn't It was uh, for both iOS phones, uh, the Apple phones, as well as Android phones. And using a vulnerability in the WhatsApp application, they were able to covertly install spyware into the phone. Now, within minutes... Okay, this is a major vulnerability here. Within minutes of this Spyro being installed on the phone, uh, this uh, basically disappeared from the call logs. So not only did you miss a call that installed spyware, your call log didn't even tell you that that spyware had been, that you, that you missed a call. So you wouldn't even have anything like suspicious, like, oh, what was this phone call I just received? I don't recognize it. Within minutes of getting that call, <clears throat> data started getting unencrypted and sent halfway around the world to some Israeli you know, hacker company, whoever that was in charge, and revealing all the information on your phone, your location, uh, messages, and even was able to activate smartphone cameras and microphones. Well, I have the WhatsApp. I communicate with my team in India and other people sometimes, but really India is the big uh, communications. How do I know if I was hacked or not? You don't. You have to install the security patch so they they issued a security patch but here is here there are two really other crazy things that i just can't believe about this the first is that an alarming number of people are unaware of this hack because whatsapp decided to alert users via a press release and not through the app so you would think that they would alert everybody and say hey go install the latest update there was a security vulnerability you might be affected you may not go update it have a nice day right Right. Didn't do that. So a lot of people, who's who's watching the news wires? How many people are reading the news every day, and how easy is it to miss something like that? 
So absolutely crazy that uh, that they that this happened. So I, uh, you know, this the other part of this is you know I always tell people install the updates, listeners, clients, install all the security updates as soon as they appear on all of your devices. Doesn't matter if it's a computer, your phone, your tablet, whatever. That way, at least you have the highest level of security available to you. It's obviously not going to protect you if something has already occurred, but you should have some anti-spyware, anti-malware, antivirus software on your different devices so that you do scan them periodically to make sure that they are clean. Wow. So okay, really so what's the recommendation for Mr. Cybersecurity? Should I go ahead and install the app, Re, uh, get, do my updates on my phone tonight? Absolutely. <laughs> Do it now <laughs> while we're talking here, right? Every minute it goes by is uh, is another minute that they could be uh, accessing the data on the phone. You know, could be listening to what you're saying right now. You never know. But they're, so, not, they're not able to get into certain things. It's more about they're spying on us now. Who knows? I, you know, they and don't have all the detail. Heard, and, because we're being heard right now then. Hi, possibly. Uh, hi, Israel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Scary stuff. So, uh, so that's our digital news item, and then unfortunately, there's uh, you know a physical safety scary uh, news item, and this has to do about an arsonist that threw some Molotov cocktails at a Chicago synagogue on Sunday. Luckily, they didn't set the synagogue on fire, but it wasn't for lack of trying. Um, you know, there's just so much hate against the Jewish community and people out there that are bent on harming others, bent on damaging property. Uh, you know, and this new focus on the Jewish communities is really, really uh, disturbing. So. I don't know, but you know, video footage showed the suspect. It illustrates the need for having a good video surveillance system in place that you know can be used to deter, to record, to catch criminals. And we're going to learn a little bit more about securing our homes today with uh, today's guest. So I'm going to lead right in there with our guest today, who is someone who has been in the security alarm industry for over 30 years and has been awarded a variety of awards. He's a noted speaker at many alarm industry conferences and events throughout the country. And he's also a best-selling author on sales leadership. He's the president of Proven Sales Strategies, and his new book is titled Security System Sales Leadership, and it is an Amazon bestseller, so that's awesome. So I'm happy to bring on today's show Russ Ackerman, who will be addressing something of major importance, and that is residential security. So welcome to Safety Talk, Russ. Thanks for being on. Great, man. Glad to be here. By the way, uh, summer's already hit in Florida. So Summer's nice. always hitting Florida. Well, we don't want to hear that. It's, it's, I think it's going to be like 97 here tomorrow in North Florida. Wow. Yeah. So it's uh, we we got it, man. It's here. Northeast PA hit mid 80s today. It was hot out. Yeah. It was wow. hot. My air conditioning in my house was like uh, didn't know what to do. It was like, wait a minute, what what's going on here? So <laughs> it was getting warm. Well, but that's all right. It. That's all right. Summer's uh, more than welcome. It's a uh, it was a long winter, and uh, you know people are ready for that nicer weather. That's for sure. So we, uh, you know, anything that can be done to improve safety is what, you know, we're all about here at Safety Talk. And uh, we also, you know, seek out the latest, you know, and newest solutions and technologies, both in the commercial, you know, commercial world as well as the residential one. So your company provides, I guess, quote, peace of mind to families and business owners who are concerned with their personal safety, they're concerned with loss of property. So we're going to focus on the residential side of things today, uh, as we, we sort of planned and talked about, because we do talk about a lot of you know, commercial things on the show, and we really want to talk about more of a residential thing. So let's uh, sort of dive right in. And uh, I guess there's sort of a, a two-part sort of big question here. And 
you know, how, how, first off, can we feel safe in our homes? I guess it's kind of the first part of it. And, you know, and then the second part is what technology can we take advantage of to protect our homes and families in order to feel safe in our homes? Yeah, great question. We get asked that often, and that's what we do, obviously, in the alarm industry. We, we try to provide solutions, and, and the bottom line is peace of mind. And peace of mind is a relevant situation. I mean, what it takes for you and your wife to feel comfortable at home may be entirely different than my wife. Of course, my wife has heard all the horrible stories, and she's she's heard the uh, me come home from work, and, and when I was out in sales, and tell about how somebody's house was just totally vandalized, all the jewelry was stolen, and all that. So, um, we obviously have a fairly, you know, uh, excessive security system, you know, here in our home. So it's a peace of mind situation. And that's what we tell people whenever we're doing a sales presentation, or we're meeting with homeowners, we remind them that, you know, uh, we, can, we get asked the question, well, Russ, what would you do if it was your home? And that's a question I try to deflect because it's not my home and I'm, it's, it's not peace of mind for me, it's peace of mind for you. So uh, we try to, uh, kind of dig in, ask a lot of questions as, as to what um, what it's going to take to make them feel comfortable. Putting price aside, although it's important, let's put price aside for a minute and just find out what it's going to take for you to get a good night's sleep and know that you and your family, uh, whether it be a large family, a single mother, whatever it is, so you can sleep well at night knowing that your home is secure and nobody gets in this house without setting off a loud alarm and they're going to hightail it away. So uh, solutions are obviously uh, home security is, is a big deal. We'll talk more about that later because that, that seems to be the solution. The cool thing about home security now, as opposed to when I got in it 30 years ago, it's become so darn affordable. I mean, you see it advertised on TV. It's all over the radio. Um, home security of various types uh, has been um, uh, the prices come down so low that mom and dad can afford it now. When I got into business 30, 33 years ago, uh, I was selling to really upscale homes, businesses, of course. Uh, banks and jewelry stores had security systems. Mom and pop didn't have one. Right. right. Now it's got to the place where everybody um, uh, everybody can have a security system, and they work. So that uh, that's important. Exactly. You know, I was thinking when you brought that up, Ross, about security, I was – in the security industry, right when I got out of college, was there only six months in Security Link of Ameritech, loved it, got involved in other things. Now I'm back in the security industry uh, in commercial sales for uh, security camera software. But I remember what you talked about. It, the home industry was slowly but surely going away from the most valuable homes about 25 years ago and was transitioning more and more to other areas in the, in your region. And you saw that, that evolution CCTV, I think was part of the evolution. The panic button was part of the evolution, yeah. a bunch of those different things. Yeah. And by the way, I know Ameritech real well. I was part of that team also way back there. They, they actually bought our company that uh, I started with way, way back there. So well, we have, we have something in common. But yeah, you're right. Uh, this, there's been a significant evolution in our industry. It's uh, it's really, really changed. And I love where it's going uh, uh, as opposed to what it was doing when you were in there, Neil. Uh, the alarm industry has gotten, or the alarm systems have gotten better. They've gotten easier to use and they've gotten less expensive. And they do more these days. So it's been a win-win kind of a deal for the uh, manufacturers, uh, the alarm companies and the end users. It's absolutely incredible the amount of technology that gets packed 
into yeah. these very affordable systems today. I mean, yeah. this is the sort of technology that, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago would have cost you many, many times what it does now. And now you've got more functionality. It's more accessible. You can access it from your smartphone. You can pull up those cameras when you're on vacation. You can turn lights on and off, lock doors, unlock doors. I mean, it's like, it's absolutely amazing. And, you know, as an IT guy, I look at, you know, every day I see how things are advancing and how technology has just sort of infiltrated just about every industry you can think of. And the security industry, the the blending together of the physical side of security products with the digital side of security products now has become such that the two are married and able to produce such an incredibly comprehensive solution for people and do it affordably. It's just such a win-win for the consumer. Yeah, and some of the cool stuff that's coming out right now that's just hit this year, facial recognition. You can arm your alarm system now just by looking at it. How cool is that? It's yeah, facial recognition and gate recognition yeah. and I mean all of these different technologies, just you know, artificial intelligence and being able to analyze people's faces and what their intent might be based on how their faces look. It's just it's getting really crazy. I mean, I think some good, some bad, but and some scary, but the bottom line is, you know, if it's making people safer, I guess we have to just find that place where we are comfortable with the safety side of it, but not such that the privacy side of it is compromised too, too much. And that's always the tightrope. And we've talked about that on the show before that you gotta, you gotta walk that line and it's a, it's a line that's constantly moving. And it's a line that, uh, you know, different people find themselves on one side or the other from time to time, because sometimes you may be more of a safety advocate, maybe when it's you, right. (laughs) And yours in your personal, you know, uh, maybe privacy being, uh, you know, in question uh, versus when you're on the security side of it and you're looking at protecting other people mm-hmm. and trying to say, well, you know, okay, you need to maybe give up a little bit of that privacy in the, you know, in the interest of better security. Yep. So what, uh, what is your background? How did you get into the, uh, into the security business, into the alarm industry and the alarm business? Yeah, it was an interesting transition. Uh, years ago, back in the um, mid-70s, I got in the telephone business, started off in Atlanta, uh, came back home to Jacksonville and started a company, uh, became a very large Toshiba dealer, and somebody wanted my business more than I did, so <laughs> I sold it, and um, um, trying to decide what I was going to do with the rest of my life, and it so happened that I just had a security system installed in my company, and I thought it was really cool, and uh, never had one before, even though I had thousands and thousands of dollars in inventory, never even thought about an alarm system until somebody came by and sold me one. So um, um, got to thinking about that. And I, and I realized as the country gets more liberal, we got more criminals on the streets and things, you know, seem to be going downhill as far as, as, far as crime is concerned. Um, I took a hard look at it. And it was interesting because I went to areas like uh, back to Atlanta, Macon, Georgia, Tallahassee, Florida, Pensacola, Orlando, talking to uh, alarm companies, uh, some of the largest independent companies in those towns, and asking them how, what's your business model look like, what does your sales presentations look like. And guys, I gotta tell you, it was really, really interesting. I found out these, most of the alarm owners and the guys that were supposedly sales managers knew very little about sales. This industry was wide open for someone to come in that could take this product and sell it. Versus, because what I was running into were guys that were technical. Uh, they were they were retired uh, technicians from the phone company or something. Opened up an alarm company because basically it's pulling wire and putting sensors on, you know, into wire and right. doing some 
what I mean? So um, I, um, uh, I saw there was a great need. I thought, man, somebody could get in here and just kill it. And do a great job with this because there is going to be a great, great need for this, uh, uh, this product going forward because crime is not, was not getting better. Uh, break-ins were, you know, really peaking. And so I thought this was going to be a great opportunity. So I did a lot of homework, took me six weeks to decide. And I started with a little company here in Jacksonville called Scott Alarm uh, that the retired police officer started. And uh, in nine years, we sold the company for over $40 million. Wow. Okay. So youth success entrepreneur wise before even getting into the security industry then. So uh, you, yeah. already were, you already knew the sales uh, way and you took an industry that really didn't understand sales and said, I could dominate this with a company, especially if I had the right tools in place to make it happen. That's exactly right. And, and to this day, in fact, I was just telling someone I was up in Boston last week and I was doing a, a workshop and I was telling these guys, you know, I can sell, but I, and I've been in this business for 30 years and I still do not know the part numbers of the products I'm selling. <laughs> okay. I can tell you what it does and how it does it and why it's important that you have one. But um, I'm more focused on sales and sales leadership and how, how to get people protected than I am worried about the technical side of this industry. No, because anybody can going to look up, you know, technical information. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. you're, you're able to articulate to the people why they need a product and this is what it can do. I mean, that's, they're going to buy it. They don't care what the part number is. You'll figure that out. Sure. Yeah. That's awesome. So obviously you've been in the, in the industry for a long time and you've seen probably, I guess, a lot of the evolution of crime in different areas, you know, probably, you know, not just where you are, but the places that you've done business and traveled to. Uh, why is there such a need? I think we can kind of know where I'm going with this, but why is there such a need these days for home security? Well, I mean, it's, it's obvious that, um, you know, crime is, uh, there's, there's people out there that want what we have, unfortunately, you know, if everybody did the right thing, we wouldn't have locks on our doors and stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm a little older than you guys, but I remember growing up here in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, we lived near the river over here and, uh, we, I never had a key to my home. You know, I just never. I remember we went up, when I was about 14 years old. We went on vacation to see my grandmother in Wisconsin. Dad was going to lock the door. Mom said, "Don't lock the door. The neighbor might need something. Would be fun to lock her out." And, and now, you know, as soon as we walk in the house, we lock the door. So, sure. you know, it, it, it's a whole different mindset than we had, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And so, there's a there's a people want to feel safe, and security systems are a great solution to that. Uh, and it's become, like we said earlier, it's become affordable, uh, easier for mom and dad to, uh, to get one. It's not just for the you know, luxurious homes anymore, the million dollar places. Uh, so everybody can afford them. And so uh, I, you know, like I said earlier, I just saw where there was a great need for this. And I saw where the technology was going to go. And I thought this is going to be an incredible industry. And so the company I was with kind of started this zero down or low down kind of thing with uh, security systems and then it just exploded all over the country. That's pretty much the whole renting process, Russ. Before that, you had to buy the whole system. Yeah. There were companies out there were competing with that you had to buy the whole system. So everyone thought, I can't afford this. Now it's basically you pay for installation or you have free installation. You play, pay a monitoring fee monthly every month. And if you want other types of devices, you, you, you upsell those devices. And that's how that industry kind of really uh, changed, as I remember back so many years ago. 
But I mean, that's, that's something that people said, man, now poorer areas could have security systems, Russ, where they couldn't before. Yeah. So, yeah, it, uh, it's, it's a win-win deal. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's great stuff out there now. Um, most of the products are really, really good. Even, even what my competitors are selling is pretty good stuff these days. And so, uh, uh, and everybody ought to have one. What do you think of these uh, devices now, like these ring systems where you have the doorbell, cameras, and uh, the other sorts of devices that you can put in like that? Uh, you know what? I, I love the doorbell cameras. We sell them. I'm, I'm with Bates Security now. I've got a three-year contract with these guys. I'm working with them, and uh, we have, we sell a different model of that, but uh, it's a great product. I mean, the fact that you can uh, uh, actually talk to someone before they ever get to your front door, um, you know, we call these bad guys the uh, porch bandits or the porch pirates, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's it's made a significant difference. And so I know I've got a son that works for UPS, and he tells me around Christmas time there'll be people almost just following him around the neighborhoods, picking up packages sure. before he drops them off. So, yeah, those things are great. Uh, some of the other products I always warn people. You know, there's a lot of stuff being advertised on TV right now. Uh, some do-it-yourself products, and I've warned people. You know, you got to be careful. Buying alarm systems is kind of like buying tires. They all look good, but they may not all be as reliable. There's a place here in Jacksonville up until a few years ago, you could buy recap tires, you know, mm-hmm. put them on your car and they look great. But if you're going down the interstate here, you know, in the summertime with your family passing an 18 wheeler at 85 miles an hour, you probably don't want to be riding on those things. And so when it comes, when it comes to protection, you got to be thinking when the burglars at the back door, I'm not going to be glad I got a cheap alarm system or do I have a good one. And so you kind of get what you pay for when it comes to tires and security systems. So you got to kind of be careful. I remind people and go and look at the reviews of these companies and dig in deep. I mean, just don't get the top three or four. I mean, get into it and really and talk to other people that have had one for a while before you invest in any security. So whether it be mine or anybody else's. One of the concerns that uh, I'm seeing and that other people are voicing with a lot of these products that are part of the, quote, Internet of Things, the IoT, is their ease in which they are hacked. Mm-hmm. And I started the, the segment off today talking about, you know, a hacking incident that, that's happening now. But, you know, this is another, I think, major concern that a lot of people aren't thinking about, right? Because if I can hack into the system that's controlling your house, I can open doors, I can view the cameras, I can see what you're doing in the house. I mean, it's so I think some of this has to be looked at also also from the other side, and that is, you know, how are these systems being secured from the outside threats that are, you know, that they're put in place to protect us from in the first place? Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I can just speak for Honeywell because I work closely with that group and um, that manufacturer, and uh, the encryption on that stuff is pretty incredible. I've never in my career uh, had someone tell me that someone hacked into their security system or any, even into their video system that they may have in or, or outside of their home. So, so far, you know, knock on wood, we've been, uh, we've been pretty fortunate, I think. But things can change. Yeah, it does happen, unfortunately. Definitely. It's something that you have to watch out for. And, Russ, at one point, it'll come to that uh, point in time when they're going to have to come up with some new solution, some sort of uh, – software to combat those hackers yeah and and i guess the simplicity of what you see in security systems in the home it just depends on what you have right you talked about like that doorbell thing might be the only thing they have 
they might not have a ton of sensors, right? Or they, it just depends on each person's home and what works best for that home, right? Yeah, whatever it takes, like I said earlier, whatever it takes to give them peace of mind so they can get a good night's sleep, know their stuff is safe. So you've been in the industry a while. Obviously, you've probably seen a lot of statistics and compiled, uh, you know, seen reports and information about the types of people that are breaking into homes. Yeah. Uh, so who who is it? I mean, I think everybody sort of has this this vision of what the, you know, quote, burglar looks like, you know, the guy with the black mask on his face and he goes up to the door and he jimmies a window or a door and goes in. Um, so what have you found or, you know, statistically, do you know, you know, are these hardened criminals? Are they teenagers? Are they a mix? Like what's the percentage, uh, you know, roughly of, of the people that are, are, that are out there that we need to be concerned with? Well, the Department of Justice actually breaks it down into five types of criminals that break into homes. I don't have the uh, statistics on all of them. Uh, I can tell you about kind of who they are and uh, maybe a few statistics on a couple of them. Uh, the one that is glorified most on TV and uh, we call, we refer to this one as the career criminal. It's what he does for a living. Uh, you and I go to work and have our jobs every day. Well, his work is to stake out a home. Usually, uh, almost always, he's going to find a, you know, a beautiful million dollar home somewhere in Florida. He'd probably be on the beach or some resort. Um, and this guy is willing to stake his life, or risk his life, uh, to break in this home. So uh, these are, uh, uh, again, uh, they, they're, they're in the minority. You, they, you rarely hear about them, but when they do hit, they make a big impact. Uh, a few years ago here in Jacksonville, uh, one actually got shot on a break-in attempt at a big home here at the beach in Jacksonville. Uh, the homeowner actually was awakened, heard a noise, and called the police. And the police actually uh, had a gunfight in the garage where they and had to take him out. And so, uh, and he was, he was a career criminal. They found his car parked down the way and uh, in his car, he had a list of every home he had broken into from Hilton Head, Hilton Head, South Carolina to Vero Beach, Florida. Every wow. home he had broken into and what he had actually taken out of those homes and things he didn't steal that were in those homes. They wow. To, yeah. What a well-organized crook. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was well uh, organized. Uh, the second type is, is really a, a, a grim part of our society. We call this the violent criminal. Uh, he's a sex offender, extortionist, kidnapper. Uh, unfortunately, this guy strikes when women and children are home alone. Again, it's a very a grim part of our society. And uh, fortunately, this guy's also in the minority. Um, and, um, but a good security system, obviously protecting us, those kind of deals. Mm -hmm. um, the one we deal with the most of the five types is what we call the amateur. And these are these kids. The Department of Justice tells us that most of the residential break-ins are done by uh, teenagers, middle, uh, middle teens to upper teens, uh, usually 15 to 16, 17 years old. Uh, they've likely skipped school that day and they're driving through neighborhoods, just randomly selecting a home. They drive by a house, looks like there's nobody home. And they pull up, knock on the front door. Uh, nobody answers the door. Uh, they look in for any signs of life. Uh, they see no dog barking. No one's, uh, there's no TV noise. There's nothing going on. They kick the door in and run right for the master bedroom. Looking for <laughs> handguns, jewelry, cash, coin collections, those kind of things. So, so that's they really haven't premeditated. They're, they're more criminals of opportunity. Exactly. These are just kids. I mean, and, and you know, and you see them once in a while around here, um, you know, during school hours, driving around town, you wonder, you know, what are they up to? They're 15 years old. You know, where are you going? What are you doing? But um, so, yeah, and there are uh, a lot of people think, well, they staked my house out and uh, they, 
these kids would just driving by, look like there was nobody there. They typically will park in front of the home. They won't pull in the driveway because they don't want to get trapped. They'll pull in the driveway. There's usually at least two of them because one guy's got to be the lookout. I had a customer just recently tell me I was out on a call with one of the bait security salespeople, and the lady told me, she said, Russ, you're not going to believe this. The guy drank a beer and cooked pizza in my microwave, leftover pizza, while they were breaking in my house. So I said, that was the guy watching the driveway. He was your lookout. So he was making sure you didn't come home uh, during the event. And they always have that back door unlocked so they can get out in a hurry in case you did pull in the driveway. And the car is usually either in front of the house or maybe one house down. They're back out the back door across the fence and back in their car probably before you ever get in your home. So, Unbelievable. Yeah. So that's the, those are the amateurs. These are the kids probably, I've heard different statistics in different areas, but it's at least over 50% of all the break-ins that take place are done by these kids. The, um, Next type is what we call the home invader. We've all heard about these guys. They disguise themselves as delivery drivers or whatever. And unfortunately, uh, they do strike when people are home. Uh, they do it on purpose. Many times around dinner time, they'll pull up, and there's usually a couple of them. Uh, we've even heard of them having a child with them, having a child come up and knock on your door, so you automatically open the door when there's a little kid standing there. Oh, wow. They come in right behind them. Uh, and uh, usually it's a situation where they're going to force someone into the house to open the safe. And it's interesting, I uh, read this the other day from the Department of Justice, almost 50% of the time when there's a home invasion, there are shots fired. And oftentimes, the home invader is the one that gets hit. <laughs> so, Good. Yeah, absolutely. So we have those that deal with. The, the fifth type of criminal we deal with is the vandal. And now the vandal is, uh, these are usually younger teenagers or even preteens. Uh, these kids are just out for fun. Uh, they don't want to steal anything. They just want to destroy property. These are the, the criminals that the insurance companies fear the most, and they're the most destructive. Uh, these amateurs we were talking about, they do about $2,200 damage per house, including the damage they did to the front door, as well as items that might have been stolen. Uh, these vandals will do five to $6,000. I mean, these kids are slashing waterbeds, turning over aquariums, oh. throwing food out of your freezer, you know, just destroying inside of you, throwing paint. I was in a home um, about two years ago. A retired state trooper got in his house and found yellow paint in his garage, took it inside and threw it all over everything. Oh, oh man. <laughs> he, he, was on, he was on vacation, came back a week later, and the place was, I mean, you can imagine your carpet, your TV, the walls, painting on the wall, just yellow paint thrown everywhere. Those oh, are vandals and uh, very destructive. Wow. It's, uh, and, and all these are very informative, Russ, and I wouldn't think about this. And would you say, is that because you live in Florida, the Florida story? We have it on our radio show every day, how crazy Florida is. <laughs> you have this criminal list on, in Pennsylvania, especially in Pittsburgh, in these suburbs, maybe because the families are a little different. We look out for each other a little bit differently. But Florida's crazy, isn't it? I mean, the Florida story is a headline every day on this one morning show in Pittsburgh. So you got some pretty different people in Florida. Yeah, it was really interesting. A few years ago, uh, a list came out of the uh, cities in the, in the country that were the highest uh, rated for highest in burglary attempts. And uh, Jacksonville, Florida was number 14th. Uh, and I think out of the top 10, four of those cities were in Florida. And out of the top 10, uh, I think seven of them were in the South. 
Uh, now I just I just read recently that Detroit now is number one. They've uh, they've they've jumped up there, and there's there's about out of the top ten, I think four or five now are north of the Mason Dixon line. Wow. Just goes to show you. I mean, it really doesn't matter where you are, but it, it you yeah. know it goes in it goes in spurts. There are different pockets of the, uh, you know, the criminals. I don't know. Maybe they they all move to one area and say, hey, we're going to hit this area for a little while. Or I, I mean, I would think they would be going to places that there are known nicer homes. Like people go to Florida, they go to retire. They figure you know you have money. That's probably one reason why Florida is a big you know target. Just like you know, obviously not Detroit. You don't think of you know high end when you go to Detroit. I'm sure there's some nice homes there, but you don't think I'm going to retire to Detroit. You know, so, um, but, um, what, when, so when they're, when they are breaking into a home, okay, whether it's a career criminal or a kid or whatever, I mean, it, maybe it changes, but I would think they're, they're probably looking for something very specific to steal like jewelry or something like that. Is there anything that they're absolutely looking for that we should protect more than other things? Yeah. There's about four or five things that we see most often stolen. Again, um, the jewelry of course is, is very important. In fact, uh, we see, um, uh, from the uh, detectives I've, I've talked to, and, I, and I've literally been on hundreds uh, or in hundreds of homes just shortly after the break-in occurred. I mean, while the police are there, they're dusting for fingerprints, I'm there also. Uh, but sometimes uh, they'll call the police and they call the alarm company. Hey, we need to get a security system in here. Um, we, and, and it's interesting in Jacksonville, we're a military town. We have two naval air stations here and a lot of Navy wives. And when they get, uh, when their home gets vandalized or broken into, some of them tell us, I'm not even going back in that house till you get the alarm system installed. So we've seen, uh, I've seen a lot and been in a lot of homes, you know, and, and every home I've ever been to in my career, I've never been in a home where if the burglar got inside the house, he didn't hit the master bedroom. These guys are looking for handguns, jewelry, hidden cash, coin collections, and drugs. They'll go in your medicine cabinet and just rake everything out. They don't care what yeah. it is. They just get it all. They're hoping they'll find something of value. Exactly. Uh, and, and half the time, they don't know what they're stealing. They don't know what it is. They'll try anything, I guess. Uh, and typically, they want to steal what they put in their pockets. Now, while they were in your home, they saw your gun rack in you know, Jacksonville, Florida. Or, or Florida is, is, is a lot like every other um, city in the country. Uh, we have a lot of outdoorsmen here, a lot of hunter, hunters and fishermen. So it's not unusual to see a gun rack in a house or a computer system or a flat screen TV. We've seen this happen so many times where they, they, they'll break in and steal the things they can put in their pockets. But while they were there, I saw they saw this other stuff. And a few weeks later, they'll come back. Uh, we've had several, several customers have get hit, hit twice in two days. Wow. Sure, because they saw stuff they couldn't carry the first time. Yeah. And, and the second time they come in your house, they're a little more comfortable. Sure, they've been uh, there before. They know the house. Yeah, exactly. And That's they know how scary. long you're going to get back, and they have it you know, staked out and things like that. Are there times, Russ, that people could find out when they see that someone's staking out a house? What kind of uh, warning signs should you look out for, especially when you are home and they're trying to stake out a house? Well, they're really not – we don't see them staking out the house that much. I mean, like I said earlier, this is just usually random. But if you see a car with a few teenagers in it driving by your house really slow, that's probably a red flag, and it wouldn't, wouldn't hurt to report that, um, especially if you don't recognize the car. If you're in a, you know, like a suburb or a residential neighborhood, uh, just, you know, you have to be alert to these things. So, um, yeah, this, I mean, there's not much you can do. If you, you know, you just have to hope and pray that, uh, they don't hit, that you're not home when they do hit the house. And if you do, if you are home, you have to know what to do. And someone knocks on your door. 
Right. And so what should the homeowner do? That is a great question. And this is something we ask customers this often when we're on sales presentations, especially dealing with senior adults or maybe a single mother or somebody living alone. Uh, I asked him this question, Ms. Jones, what would you do if you're home alone and uh, any time of the day or night and someone knocks at your door, well, how would you respond? And it's amazing, more than half the time, probably 70% of the time, they say they would not answer the door. Well, we know this, that when the criminal comes to the door, he's going to knock on the door to make sure you're not home. And if you don't answer the door, then they're kicking it in. And then you have what the police authorities call an unexpected confrontation between a homeowner and a criminal. And obviously, someone's going to get hurt. The criminal's thinking, you know, I've been to jail before. The police have my photo ID, my fingerprints. I'm not going back. And what started off to be just a property crime now has turned into something extremely violent. So we let people know. Yeah. When you're home and someone knocks at your door, don't open the door, but answer the door. My daughter just happened to her a few years ago. Uh, she lives here, she lived here in Jacksonville. Uh, I'm on the phone with her and she's telling me, Dad, there's somebody at the door. I said, okay. And she's whispering. I said, why are you whispering? She said, I don't know. I said, well, answer the door. She goes to the door. She's got the baby in her arm. She goes to the door and uh, she says, can I help you? And they said, oh, 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 oh. Obviously she startled them because it taken her a minute or two to get to the door. And they said, uh, have you seen our dog? We lost a dog. Have you seen a black dog? And she said, no. And they ran and got in the van and spun around and took off. That's scary. That would have been bad. Yeah. And she's on the phone with you while it's happening. So you're thinking, right. hey, yeah, yeah, it's. I, told, I said, hang up and call the police. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's good advice there for everybody to, to take yeah. to heart. So don't, you know, pretend you're not there and be quiet. You know, maybe be assertive and, you know, go right at the door and say, hey, can I help you? Don't open the door, obviously. Right. You know, if you got a people, maybe look through it or maybe not, you know, depending if somebody you know, comes right up and, <laughs> you know, sees an eyeball and decides to shoot through the, you know, I, you know, people there. But um, yeah. definitely, you know, you do want to answer the door verbally and, you know, ask if there's some way that, you know, what they're looking for, who is it, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Yeah, um, so what would be the next step? Now they say something that, gives you cause to believe they are, it's a valid individual. Well, you got to be sure. I mean, you've got to, you've got to ask for identification. Um, in fact, our, our salespeople, when they go on sales calls, even for bait security, sometimes they'll ask to, to slide your card under the door. Okay. Your business card. So they actually know that we are who we say we are. And we're wearing our shirts and we got our car out there sometimes and everything. And they're still uneasy about opening the door to someone they don't know. So, Man, error on the side of caution, by all okay. means. So I was just going to say, yeah, def better safe than sorry. Absolutely, yeah. So that's good, business card. And um, so proactively, what is the best or what is what you would recommend that homeowners do in order to protect their, their property. I'm, I'm assuming you're going to say put an alarm system in, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, specifically, uh, what, what could they do? You know, the, maybe the type of alarm, the things that it should be, that you should be alarming, doors, windows, et cetera, motion detector, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, security system is number one. In fact, if, if you ask um, any police officer that you know, it's extremely likely they're going to have a security system in their home. I know I've got a grandson that just, uh, he's been on the police force now for a couple of years. And the first thing he did 
let's put a security system in this house as soon as they, as soon as they get, get sworn in. And uh, because police officers see it, they know they rarely go to a break-in where there is a security system. So you want to make sure you've got, you've got signs posted out there so um, anybody driving by knows. You know, these criminals are looking for the path of least resistance. And why go to my home when I've got a sign sitting out here that says my home is protected by bait security when they could go down the street somewhere where there's not one, okay? Um, in fact, the, the, uh, the insurance industry is all over this. I mean, that, that's why homeowners insurance companies give discounts for people you know, on their premiums if they have a monitored security system. So it makes it makes a big difference. Um, an old statistic, I'm not sure if it, I, I assume it's still probably fairly accurate, but uh, national statistics says that one in three homes in America, okay, uh, will get broken into um, one in three every 20 years. Now, if you live in South Florida, one in South Florida, it's probably greater than that. If you live in Montana, it may not be quite that 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 big. Uh, that's if if you do not have a security system, uh, one in 20 every three years. If you have a security system with a sign in the yard, one in 250. Wow. Every year. So it makes a big, big difference. Also, just put another, the signs out there and the stickers on the door, whether you got a system or not, it's still going to be. Well, a still, yeah. I mean, people, people, will, you know, people talk and you want a security system. Obviously the insurance company won't give you the discount for having signs. You got to right. have that thing monitored. Sure. And as far as the security system's concerned, obviously doors have got to be protected all outside doors. Um, in most homes, as we, we see, all the windows would be protected, at least on the ground floor. Uh, second floor windows are optional unless you have lattice work or something that's going to get you up to another landing where you can get in that second floor window. Um, and, of course, then you want to have at least one interior motion sensor that's activated when you're not in the house. So in the event they busted out a sliding glass door or they came through a window without opening the window, that motion sensor is going to catch them before they hit the master bedroom, set off the alarm, call the police. So. Um, also, some other uh, solutions that we like, uh, outside lighting, uh, that's really important. Um, we recommend, although we don't sell them, uh, we do recommend motion-sensitive uh, outside lights on each corner of the home, so anybody approaching the home immediately can be shocked when the lights come on and, oops, somebody's here, and so uh, that's what will slow them down, especially, if, you know, obviously, it's at night. So, um, And again, the video doorbells are a great deterrent. I also, uh, you know, in a lot of the work that I've done, research, et cetera, writing, uh, another thing they tell you to make sure you do not have are too many bushes in the front of your house that block somebody being able to see the windows from the street. Because if your neighbors don't see somebody behind those windows breaking in, what good is that? So you, you should make sure that you have, you know, the a line of sight to at least the ground level around the home to windows and doors, et cetera, so that somebody can't hide behind those bushes and sit there and jimmy a window, jimmy a window, jimmy a window for 20 minutes before they get in. Yeah. They're not going to do that if they're sitting out there for all the world to see, right? Absolutely, yeah. Keep keep those shrubs cut, yeah. Down, good. Well, lots of good uh, tips for people because, you know, that motion sensitive lights, mm -hmm. you know, they're definitely a good one. You know, people don't want to be lit up. Uh, some of these commercials you see out there now are pretty funny. You know, the, the guys come up to the door and it's, you know, the sensor and the lights turn on and they're like, you know, like a deer in the headlights and turn around and run. And hey, like you said before, Russ, nobody wants to, be, you know, they're not, they're looking for easy targets. 
Yeah. And anything that you can do to show a criminal that you're not going to be an easy target, no matter where you are targeted, whether you're out and about or whether you're at your home, uh, is going to be a, a benefit of, to you. Yeah. Another important thing, too, let me just throw this in there, too. Now, keep your garage door closed. Yeah. Unless you're working in the garage or you're in the front yard, keep that door closed. Uh, that is an open invitation to get stuff stolen out of your garage. And probably all of us have something of value in your garage. Um, uh, last year, uh, my son and I were going to go fishing. We were going to go offshore. And uh, he was going to be at my house about 5 a.m. And I went outside to start. The boat was parked on the side of the house. I was loading things in the boat. Came back in to make a sandwich, left the garage open. I heard a car in my driveway and looked up and there's a black Camaro backing up in my driveway. My son does not have a black Camaro. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so I stepped outside and they spun out and took off. But I was I was about to become a victim. Incredible. They yeah. saw the open garage. They're like, oh, look at this. Five o'clock in the morning. morning. Yeah. They forgot to close the garage last night. I, what, what can I find? Yeah, exactly. How do you, Russ, when you enter a home to do sales, what do you recommend for a home? Like, what do you kind of take a look at specifically to see if they need, what kind of motion detectors they need, what kind of uh, security systems they need based on their landscaping and the size of their home and different things? What do you come up with in that game plan? Well, uh, it, could be, it could be a variety of things. Um, obviously, we always recommend that we got to do the doors. We won't even install a security system unless all the exterior doors are protected. And, and, and then what we do, Neil, is we go through a series of questions. We call it the um, home security evaluation, where we're going to ask a series of about 15 questions to determine, uh, you know, kind of what their interest level is in some of the new home automation products. Um, what, what, what do they see as the biggest issue? We ask them questions like, if you were going to break in your house, how would you get in? Um, what areas, particular areas of your home are the most concerning for you? Um, and then we get through with that, we'll actually do a site survey. We call it a security survey where we actually take a sheet of paper, we walk around the house and we make notes of all around that house about, look, we talk about vulnerable areas. Uh, we'll even take them outside the home and we call it getting a burglar's eye view of your home. So we'll maybe walk out as far as the street and say, let's look at your house now. And, this, and you know, if we were the criminal, how would we get in this house? In fact, we'll even ask them, uh, one of the questions we ask is, last time you got locked out, how did you get in? <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, the teenagers usually know how, to do, how that works. And so, but yeah, so, so based on that information, uh, then we design usually three different levels of security for them. And plan A, plan B, plan C, and then we let them choose. We said, you know, in fact, our, 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 the, the closing question that we asked, Mr. and Ms. Jones, if you were going to make a buying decision tonight for security for your home, which plan would be most comfortable for you, plan A, plan B, or plan C? Because, again, like I said earlier, I can't design security system for somebody else because I don't know what's going to take to give them peace of mind. And that's what we tell them, you know, put price aside. Let's, let's see what it's going to take to make you sleep good at night, okay? And then you can always add on to it later on, too, if you want to. But let's let's be practical here. Let's be smart. And um, I, I just want you to, once this thing's installed, to be able to rest well and knowing that your home is safe and secure, which usually is what we call a full perimeter system, all windows and doors, one or two motion detectors, um, probably some fire, uh, fire protection also in the home, and um, maybe a keypad in the kitchen where they first come in and maybe another keypad in the bedroom. Um, and that's, that's 
and from there we can get into home automation and some other devices also. But that's the basic security. No, that's great, and it's that's what you know what people should have. You know, I mean, I have a security system I've had it for years and years. It's simple. It's you know you get used to it in no time, and if you forget something, it reminds you. <laughs> you yeah, know, and that's what's exactly. nice about them. You know, the, use- some of the cool things we have now. Excuse me. Some of the cool things we have is. Um, these geographical boundaries, we call it geofencing now on your security system. Yes, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, if I leave, if I go more than a mile from my home and my alarm is not armed, it reminds me of my phone beeps and I can pull over and I can arm my system from my smartphone. So it's some really cool stuff. Technology, baby. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it is making our lives easier and keeping us more secure. And that's, you know, one of the, the, the big things here is, you know, how do we improve our safety? And there, yeah. cause there are so many ways that we need to do it today. And uh, if technology can make it a little bit easier for us, you know, we don't have to, you know, remember everything. Uh, in this case, you know, like you're saying, hey, it can even remind you. Or you can check, you know, you pull it up on your phone. Hey, is my alarm system armed? You know, is that door locked? Well, let me just make sure, you know, and yeah. you can do all of these things from the phone and add all kinds of functionality to to these systems because the the technology and the integration is just getting tighter and tighter and just more and more function in everything. So, uh, alarm system monitoring. There's all kinds of companies out there. You see these ads all the time. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe the, the different types of monitoring or uh, what your take is on the different sorts of alarm system monitoring companies that are out there? Well, yeah, there's, um, there's obviously a lot of ways, I guess, of, of uh, what people may understand is what alarm monitoring really is all about. Um, alarm systems should be monitored by what we call a UL, Underwriters Laboratory Approved Central Station. I know 30 years ago, there were a lot of companies out there that had central stations that were not UL approved. And I think now in Florida, I only know of one or two that aren't UL and that are doing basically just residential. So what does that mean? Uh, if, you're, if you're a UL central station, you've met certain criteria. Uh, for instance, you can do a lot of businesses, government buildings, banks, jewelry stores sometimes that require a certain level of protection, not just from the security system, but from the monitoring center itself. Uh, to be a UL central station, you've got to have a certain um, um, backup battery packs, generators on standby. Uh, so in the event of a natural disaster in your community, you've got to be able to keep that thing running for a certain period of time. Uh, you've got to have uh, uh, fireproof um, facilities for your central station. Your operators have got to be drug tested, background checked. There has to be so many supervisors on duty at all times. So uh, if you have a central station that is has that UL sticker, they're probably pretty good. The important thing is make sure that your system is monitored by a UL central station. And you want to get a central station that has a company that has a network of stations, not just one little local central station. So because you need that redundancy. If something happens to that one station, you need to be make sure that, you know, hey, a natural disaster takes this one out from a flood or a tornado or something that they can flip over. And there's another station, you know, two states over that takes over. Absolutely. In fact, it's better if they have several <clears throat> uh, central stations as, because, if, if, for instance, we had a hurricane in Florida, one of the central stations goes down. You don't want to just dump all that onto another central station. You want to distribute that among three or four other central stations and one station just doesn't get hammered. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's important that you have that, uh, that network. And so um, we tell people, do your homework. Not, right, exactly. not talking about price and product and service, but so let's talk about central monitoring. Who does it? Where is it at? Um, tell me about uh, how much time. How, how fast are you going to respond when my alarm sounds? Right, so Russ, I was going to ask about commercial. 
Uh, when you talk about mo- why is monitoring not big in commercial the commercial industry? Why is it a lot of time? I mean, there it's being monitored for you know fallops or cameras are down or different things, but we don't really see the monitoring the commercial industry as much as we do in residential. Uh, I, I don't know, Neil. I tell you, um, I know here in Florida, everything we sell uh, or any any alarm company here sells is monitored. I think sometimes business owners kind of go to sleep. Uh, they think, well, you know, I've got a security system. I've got stickers and signs, so I'm not going to have – I don't want to have to pay another, you know, 20, 30 bucks a month for local or, or for, for um, monthly monitoring fee. And so they just kind of let it go. Uh, and um, uh, in most cases, or in a lot of cases, the insurance companies aren't requiring it uh, to get any kind of a discount on their insurance at their office. Okay. So they just kind of let it go. But um, I know we, and most most legitimate alarm companies will not sell you an alarm system unless there's some kind of reoccurring revenue attached to it, unless you want to pay a lot of money up front. And so uh, that maybe is the question that they don't really bring it up as much in the commercial industry. Maybe it's just expected. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I'm in a different phase. I am working with a company called Lensec that's video management software manufacturer for security cameras. And when, I mean, they used to be a security integrator, but I guess I've never had those conversations to understand. So I'm more focusing on the camera side of the business instead yeah. of the days. But you think about how well that can be monitored by the owner there's still the monitoring of a company as well. It's just that it just all, I guess it all depends. So do you see a lot of the security companies themselves or they have a, or there's somebody like a monitoring company that that integrator security integrator is uh, utilizing as their monitoring system? Yeah. You know, when I got in the industry years ago, uh, a lot of companies had their, a lot of alarm companies had their own little central stations. And I think these guys wised up. Uh, I know at Bates Security, you know, uh, we use a, a large, large central station that can probably do it a lot better than we ever could. And so that's that's the trend now. Uh, most, um, especially independent security companies, uh, are going to these large, large central stations. And man, they're good. And there's a bunch of them out there. Uh, they're from, all the way from Los Angeles to Florida. Uh, they're doing a great job. And now you're uh, with Bates Security now, and yeah. so why did is that one of the reasons why you went with this company because of uh, their capabilities? Well, yeah, their capabilities. Not necessarily wasn't the monitoring, but Bates Bates Security is an interesting company. I've known them for years through the Honeywell Network, uh, and uh, when they came to Jacksonville about two years ago, uh, I was available, and so we kind of put something together. I uh, take I took over their residential and small commercial team and. Uh, they're kind enough to allow me to go out and kind of do some speaking things, you know, as I go. Uh, but uh, Bates is a really interesting company. Uh, they were started in 1968 by a former police officer that, you know, just had an opportunity and took this thing, you know, uh, Mr. Sonny Bates and moved to Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, really got the thing going. Uh, his two sons, Jeremy and Brian Bates, actually run the company now. And we're proud to say that last year we were Honeywell Dealer of the Year, which is a big, big deal. And to top that off, uh, we were also recognized as the National Dealer of the Year for all alarm companies. Last year in 2017, ADT got it. This year, Bates Security with only three offices, we nailed it. We were were voted 
uh, alarm company of the year. Our customer service is incredible. Um, and it's just a, the, the culture of the company is it's a fun place to work. Great people. A lot of laughs and work our tails off. That's good to know because, you know, I've never heard of Bait Security. I mean, ever, a lot of people have heard of ADT and some of the other yeah. big ones. So to know that the company is being recognized by some of the, you know, the biggies in the industry and, uh, you know, Honeywell's one that I'm sure a lot of people have heard of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that says a lot. That really does say a lot. So that that's fantastic. Um, tell us a little bit about your book here in, in our last few minutes here. You've got a new book out, um, that the Amazon <laughs> bestselling list, and it's all about security system sales. Yeah, you know, um, as, as I got into this thing and uh, I got a little recognition for some of the awards I'd won and things, um, a lot of people asked me to come and speak at different seminars or workshops that maybe Honeywell had or different places. And I've spoken to a few companies for their uh, kickoff banquets and things at the first of the year. And um, I really saw that that a lot, a lot of these guys in leadership uh, that were sales leaders really didn't understand. They, they knew product and they knew you know how to sell, but they didn't understand the leadership side of this business or, or this of this of running a sales team. Uh, what what we see happening so often here is uh, the manager or the owner of the company takes the top producer and makes him the sales manager. Right. And this guy's a good salesperson, but he doesn't have the leadership skills that it takes to build a sales team, maintain a sales team, motivate a sales team, and so. Um, I've been doing that stuff, you know, through the years with the, the uh, companies I was with and um, people were looking at me and saying, Russ, you got to put this in writing. And I pushed it back and pushed it back for so long. Finally, you know, my wife persuaded me and a few other people said, you got to do it. And so, I mean, it's been one of the greatest decisions I ever made. Uh, the, the book has, you know, has done well. And, um, and I'm, I'm, in fact, I was, I was so honored last year I was in the airport in, um, where was I? I was in uh, San Diego, California, and a man I'd never seen in my life walked up to me and said, you're Russ Ackerman. And this was like 5 a.m. in the morning. I'm wearing blue jeans and a T-shirt. <laughs> and I said, yeah. He said, I just read your book. He recognized my picture from the back of the book. All right. I thought, man, I feel like I've arrived. Now. I've made it. <laughs> yeah, I've made it big time. You know? So, uh, but no, it, so, but yeah, I saw a real need, uh, and, and it's been a great help, I think. What I tried to do when I wrote the book, I tried to make it a handbook for sales leaders, not just in our industry. I recently worked with a exterminating company in Atlanta using the same principles uh, that uh, are in this book. Yeah, we, we, we talk in the book about how to motivate, uh, how to hold, I mean, how do you hold salespeople accountable without crushing them? You know, you know, and if a guy screws up, you know, how, how do you, how do you get him back without, without ruining his day? You know, today it's was tough. Been- it's tough to be a sales manager. And so yeah. I, I, you know, just reading the, uh, you know, sort of the intro about the book, it sounds very interesting because, you know, people are, you know, tasked with driving sales, right? I mean, it, yeah. it, companies are tasked with, you know, sell, 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 right? We, we've got a product to sell. It's how we make our money. And so uh, if you're doing your job great and everything is going fine and you're selling and you're hitting your numbers, it's all fine. But when you're not, and you're the person in charge of that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see where it would be a, sort of a very tricky, uh, you know, set of skills that you need to hone in order to deal with these different personality types of who you're dealing with, et cetera. You get into that a little bit in the book too, different Absolutely, personalities yeah. and. Absolutely, yeah. And especially when, you, when when sales are down and the boss is putting his thumb on you as the leader to fix it, 
And uh, you've got to go to those guys and say, hey, fellas, you know, we've got to take it up a notch. And I'm going to be up front with you, you know, and helping you do it. So we go into all of that in the book. We go into the interviewing process, hiring, recruiting. Uh, we talk about uh, how to run an effective motivational sales meeting. Uh, all those things are just critically important. Practical goal setting. And um, you know, we talk about goal setting a lot, but what's really practical goal setting? I mean, is the pie in the sky stuff mm. or is it real world things that you can actually achieve and, and make happen? Uh, time management. We talk about that in the book. That's a, that's a killer for salespeople. Trying to get that so, you know, there, there are a lot of good books out there on leadership and there's a lot of good books out there on sales. And I, I read a bunch of them and they really are good. I wanted to make something really practical, real grassroots down to earth, when this happens, how do you deal with a maverick? You got a guy on your sales team, your top producer, but he's a jerk. <laughs> That's you know? tough. Yeah, it, it is tough. But you know what? If you're smart, you can get the best out of that guy, and he'll be your best friend if you know how to work it. And That's so, awesome. Yeah, it's good stuff. So we we try to address all those issues in the book. It's an easy read. It's simple. Um, I, one guy told me he read it the other day on one flight. Read the whole there book. you go. <laughs> so uh, that. Congratulations on the book that you got it done, right? And it's out there and people can go uh, can go get it. It's called, again, Security System Sales Leadership. And it's uh, practical and proven techniques that will unlock your team's potential. I love it. Uh, if people are interested in learning more about you, Russ, where can they uh, go to find about your books? And where can the listeners go to learn more about you, website, et cetera? Uh, just go to provensalesstrategies.com. Easy enough. And the book's available on Amazon. Amazon other places. Yeah, well, on Amazon, just type in my name, go to Amazon, and type in Russ Ackerman. I'll pop right up for you. All right, well, fantastic, Russ. It was great uh, talking to you. And Pete, really interesting to go back to the days of uh, the home sales I did for a short period of time, but to hear from Russ and how much of an expert he is. I recommend anyone that's in the uh, sales industry for selling home security to definitely check out this interview if they didn't get the opportunity before or share it with a friend, right, Pete? Absolutely. That's what we're all about, right? How can we make people safer everywhere they are, anything they're doing? So that's, uh, that's awesome. Really appreciate uh, your time. And uh, the uh, thanks for being on Safety Talk, Russ. And I will uh, make sure we get this out there and tune into Safety Talk for all the latest news and information at safetytalkpodcast.com. And so until next time, everybody, stay safe. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Safety Talk. You can listen to past episodes and get the latest safety news at our website, safetytalkpodcast.com. Be sure to visit our other websites for free safety checklists and infographics. You can also sign up for free online self-defense training, learn about college campus safety, and find out more about Pete and how he can help educate your school or business through his speaking, workshops, seminars, and consulting. Subscribe to the Safety Talk podcast and never miss out on any new safety information. Until next time, stay safe.